Hello, everybody. Welcome to Success Defined. I'm Ben McDonald, and today we are joined by Kevin Quat. Kevin is the owner of Absolute Island Management, which manages over 400 real estate properties in the South Carolina, Georgia markets. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we were talking a little bit before the show, and I want to jump in with kind of the motivation of getting into property management. So before we go into any specifics about business, can you give us a little background and a little story of kind of how you even got into the situation and what led to that opportunity? Well, uh, happy to, yes. Um, in 2003, I graduated from Emory University and uh, I needed a job, to be honest. Um, I spoke Spanish fluently <clears throat> and I had a close family friend who was connected to a multifamily real estate firm uh, who set up an interview. Uh, the interview was actually with his wife and she put me through the paces uh, like I've never seen. I thought I was a shoe-in and then I was nervous afterwards about uh, whether or not they were going to make me an offer, but they did. And I started at a 640-unit apartment community in Norcross, Georgia, speaking Spanish 80% of the day. Wow. Um, we were moving in 40 a month, moving out 38 a month. It was, uh, it was a revolving door. We were turning the units. We were fixing the units. There were some evictions, unfortunately. Um, but it was a C-class, C-property. Um, and that truly just gave me an exposure to a volume of transactions and um, procedures from how large multifamily developers, apartment managers run large REITs. They're not, they weren't a REIT, they were private, but how they, how they run their operation, how they set up their teams, how they set up their staff, what their procedures are. And um, I started as a leasing agent and was doing very well. Uh, I was one of the top agents in the firm. Um, and they had, I don't know how many employees, a couple hundred, I think. Um, not all leasing agents. I wasn't right. the top of a couple hundred people or anything like that. But um, so they started bringing me along and brought me into some of the accounting aspects of stuff. And I'm, I'm a math guy. Um, I'm a numbers guy. So that was right up my alley. And then uh, from there into an assistant manager role, into a manager role, to a multi-site manager role. And then the condo craze was going on and the development team said to me, hey, Kev, you want to work with condos? And that was the cool thing to do because they had all the money. They were doing all the fun yeah. stuff. They were throwing the parties. They were having the sales meetings. They were doing, that's where the company was generating its cash because that's where we were in the cycle in 05, 06. Okay. Yeah. Um, the property management side is really all the time, right? You, someone needs a place to live. Someone needs to collect the rent. Someone needs to handle the, the maintenance. Someone needs to sign the lease. Someone needs to show the property. That is almost uh, market stable. Okay. And then the condo side was doing well. So I started working with them and I was working on accepting units from construction. I was um, going through large, uh, Towers and Buckhead, uh, garden level apart um, condos in um, in Dunwoody, and just getting the exposure to condo conversions, condo sales, condo walks, setting up regimes, working with boards, writing budgets for them, um, and that's pretty much how I got started in in real estate. Yeah. So let's go back. You're you're fresh out of college. You say you're looking for a job. Was real estate an attraction for a specific reason, or is that just kind of where the relationship was of where you thought you had an in? Real estate was attractive for me because it involves a multitude of personality traits that I have. Um, the ability to speak with almost anyone and not necessarily be nervous about it. Um, I was blessed with that. I, I make friends where I go, I just smile and say, hi, I'm Kevin. And you know, if you don't like me, I'm sorry, but yeah. I, like you, I just want to be friends. Um, I think it's the Libra in me. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was, it felt good. It, it, it was a good, you could do good work. You could help people. You could improve their experience. Um, and from a foundation of life necessity, everyone needs a place to live. So to me, it, it made sense. I think I might've been good at insurance sales and not to knock the insurance industry at all, but I think it's a fear-based industry. Like, you need this policy. What if this happens? Right. That didn't feel good to me. I'm glad there's people who do that work and I have lots of insurance, but I didn't want, I wanted to do work where 
I felt I could add value and I could, it would have multi dimensions. I mean, real estate, you can go a, a ton of different ways. Um, and, and I'm, I think I have my hands in just about not, I don't have senior and I don't have uh, uh, healthcare like housing yet. I haven't delved, dove, I haven't dove, delved. I don't have that one yet. We'll I, don't say that. That, I don't have that word yet either. <laughs> um, okay. So go back to uh, what you said of finding what fit your personality and kind of your strengths. So that also leads into another thing you said of you were one of those top agents, even starting out, right? You're green. It's not like you have 20 years of, of experience in real estate. What were those attributes that set you apart from other agents? Hmm. Um, I was working in the South, but I was born in Manhattan, okay. New York, and I'm, I'm driven. You know, if we're, if we're going to be at work, let's do it. Let's not just sit there and play on Facebook, which I'm sure, I don't even know if we had Facebook back then. I'm getting old, but you know, I'm, I'm sure there were times when I was just tired and I just sort of played yeah. Minesweeper or something. But for the most part, let's make a list what needs to be done, let's get after it. And so for me, I think that was, that was one of the ways I was able to um, excel uh, was I was just motivated, let's do it. What issues do we have? We have down units, what's wrong with those units? Why are they just sitting there down? Let's go walk them, let's make a list. Do we have a list? Have we gotten pricing? Have we submitted it? What's it gonna cost? How many, un how many months until we can get that money back if we were to spend it? Who do we have to present to pay for it? You know, let, let's yep. get these things going. So I think there was, uh, there was that coupled with, um, you know, the, the closing of a sale, you it kind of gets you high. It's like, it's fun, you know? So yeah. when you see in someone's, when, when you're talking with someone and you see that their needs can be matched with what you can show them. Yeah. What um, you're offering. It feels good. You know, you're helping them, you're making money. It's a win. So, uh, you know, when folks would come in looking for an apartment, I'd take them through it and I was excited to be there. I, you know, I was a fan of theirs. As Mel Robbins says, be their fan. I was a fan of theirs to say, let's help you get a place. Let's find your next home. And oftentimes when we would walk in, I would say, welcome home, you know, welcome to your next home. And, you know, and if they had some gripes, but it was what they could afford and maybe they want something nicer, but it's again, we gotta be considerate of budgets. You know, I would, I would remind them that this, this isn't your forever move necessarily you know you're, you're signing a 12-month lease you need a place let's get you in a place you know we're going to be here to maintain it you know i'm here whatever you need i'll introduce you to the manager if i'm out of the office and basically let's let's solve this so you can move on with your day yeah and yeah, you're finding a way to solve what people need with what you're offering like we were talking about earlier uh, but you're also helping people feel comfortable with some big decision and and i want well, to that's exactly right. And it's, you know, where you live is big. It's, it's, it's how you unplug from the stress of the world. So I think, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. We have every day, we have challenges, we have opportunities. If we see, if we see some of these clients who are in front of us that we want to do something with, if we see um, someone in need, it's an opportunity to help them. So that hard work, the work ethic, the organization, like you said, creating lists, finding ways to just, you go to work and you execute. Was that innate when you were a child? Do you remember that was the way you were? Or was that something developed through parents, school, something like that? Um, as a child, I never finished anything. Okay. And that makes, that makes it even more interesting. So then to go from that being, I mean, and I'm sure most children are that way anyways, but being that way, and then what you had just described is the complete opposite, right? It takes a lot of focus and dedication. So where, mm -hmm. where did you develop that along the way? That's a great question. I, I've never really thought about it. Um, uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, parents who invested in, in my brain and, and gave me opportunity to uh, attend Kent School in Kent, Connecticut. Prior to that, in New York City, I was at Allen Stevenson, which was a uh, all-boys school. And I had moved out of the public school system where I was finishing my homework in class 
um, and moved into Allen Stevenson in sixth, sixth grade. And I had very long days. I had 35, 40 minute commutes. Uh, I either had to walk across town, downtown, and then take um, the train up to 79th Street, uh, or I had to take the train and then take a crosstown bus or switch at uh, 42nd Street. So it was, I was commuting. Um, and I wouldn't get home because they had sports in the afternoon. I wouldn't get home till five, dinner, homework, books, bed, right? So I, I had sort of some structure from that. I had a forced structure. I didn't want to do it. And during the summers, I probably, you know, oh, I think I'm going to do this. Eh, I don't really feel like that. I don't really feel like that. I don't really feel like that. And so it was, it was a learned talent. Um, I was forced into it from some of the education, I think. And, and you know, Kent was very much, uh, they, they keep you on a schedule, on a regimen. They hold you accountable. Um, college, I kind of wasted some money um, looking back. I think I needed a little bit of a break. And I would recommend anybody who's getting burnt out in high school, what's the rush? Like, obviously, you don't want to go many, many years, and then you get out of the whole study mode, and then it's right. hard to get back in. Agreed. But six months, one year, take a little travel, give yourself a break. I would recommend that, at least if I were to do it over again. Because when I first got to college, it was like, college, this is supposed to be a party. And, you know, I don't really party anymore. But um, that was that was a big adjustment. And, and I bounced around. I bounced around with majors. I bounced around uh, with different activities. Um, but eventually, I settled. And I settled on Spanish. And I ended up going to Spain and studied in Spain for four months um, and explored Spain. Um, I had to overload in classes to graduate on time because I dragged my feet. I was a religion major. I was a sociology major. You know, I probably should have gone to the business school, to be honest, but the first year I would have had to do all the prereqs and I, was, I wasn't uh, as focused as I should have been. So I think once I got out of college and started working, the mindset came in as, okay, these are the working years. Let's get to it. You know, if, if we're going to be doing it, let's do it. Yeah. And if we're not going to be doing it, then go play, go have fun. But what's our goal? We have goals, set goals. You know, we have a five-year plan, 10-year goal. I don't know. And, and they're moving targets. They're not written in stone. It's not a stake in the ground, but you definitely take score of where you are and where you want to be and what motivates you and go for something that you like and get after it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, Okay, so let's now fast forward to the story of having an opportunity in Hilton Head, because that then ultimately leads into your, your entrepreneurship. So, so describe that, and then we can jump into the actual business. So in 2006, um, I, I'm not sure what, I think they were called Julian LeCron Company still. Uh, they changed their name to JLC Southeast. Now they're Tribridge Residential. Great bunch of folks, very, very smart. Um, they were developing a, a 194 unit uh, condo conversion on Hilton Head. It was already built and they were converting it from apartments to condos. Built in 2001, they acquired the property January of 2006, started the conversion. The conversion entailed obviously writing a master deed, setting up individual tax map numbers, um, and then doing a $4 million CapEx budget, renovating the exteriors, the clubhouse, the pool, the amenities, the uh, interiors of units, turning those units, um, as they vacated, vacating some units in some cases when their leases were up. Um, and the opportunity came up to move to Hilton Head. We thought it was gonna be a six month, 12 month deal. You're living in Atlanta, you wanna go live at the beach for 12 months, we'll give you, right. a, we'll give you a free apartment. Yeah. Yeah, sure. you'll take it. So I did that. Um, we did a huge renovation on it. I led the renovation, I had a general contractor that would report to me. I was working off of um, a development budget. I did not create the development spreadsheet, but I tweaked it a little bit um, and it was a good one. Uh, and we were doing orders. Uh, we were ordering all the supplies. We managed the, all of the supplies, all of the materials in-house. Essentially, we wouldn't give that to the contractor to deal with. So okay. we, had our, we had our orders, we had our scope, we had to inventory it when it came in. I had to inventory it when it came in. So you get this whole pallet of stuff. It's like, holy crap, is it all here? Oftentimes it wasn't. And so it's good that we were inventorying it because when you're dealing with that much stuff, if you're not staying organized and logging it all, you're just, you're losing your employer's money. And you need to, you know, the guy who's signing your check, look out for his money. You know, don't be jealous of him. Create yeah. it. Create the opportunity for others and then you'll sign their check. But 
Um, so I, I felt a fiduciary there. And so I would drill down and anyway, um, so we were turning about 30 units a month. We were starting the sales process. I was not on the sales side of things. I was on the unit prep, make sure the models were right, make sure your tour path was right, make sure everything was clean, hold the vendors accountable, keep the tenants happy because they're like, oh, you're gonna sell it, well, how much? Oh my God, that's so much, I can't believe I, this place sucks. Okay, you don't have to buy it, you know? Um, and do my best to just be the glue that kept the deal going. Right. Uh, they started selling, they sold pretty well in the beginning, moved about 100 units, and then the sales stopped because we hit, sales issue, tightening issues, lending issues, all of the issues of 2007. So, um, yeah. So with that, you then are in this position where you're overseeing, right? Like you said, you're not in the sales, but you're overseeing these units. Mm -hmm. The idea is to move all of them and sell all of them. And then 2007, 2008, all that type of stuff happens. Uh, what was the pivot there and, and how did it lead to that? So by that time we had already finished all of the renovating of the units for the most part. Uh, we had done our batches of 30 units at a time. The GC was already off the site. Um, the exteriors were all done. The amenities were done. So I didn't have a lot to do. Uh, and I think my employer knew that we, they were getting creative on, okay, how are we going to sell these things in a down market? How are we going to entice people to buy them? We got to sell them. Um, and so they came up with a brilliant idea of a rent guarantee. We will guarantee you 1200, 1400, I think it was 1400, $1,400 a month in rent. And at the time, I think the market rent was around 11. Okay. So they were guaranteeing more than the market rent for the first year and including management fees to sell a unit to an investor say. So, uh, so that was working. And then how did the, how did how does that then get reconciled? So they were cutting checks to local property management companies, two in particular, um, and saying, here's an account. Here's your management fees for the year. Get it leased, handle it, thank you. And they weren't getting leased. Or they were getting leased to people that hadn't had credit, criminal background, income yep. verification. Um, or they were getting leased at a much lower than market rent. We didn't give out that many of them. They, my employer said, um, I think it might have been Justin Marshall at the time, uh, who was working for Tribridge. He said, just have Kevin do it. Why are we paying? Why are you even paying anybody? Just have Kevin do it. He's sitting there. Yeah. Especially when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing with the vetting and putting the right people right. in there at the right prices. Right. They're not doing that anyways. Right. Had it been, had it been a solution that worked, I may not, had other people done their job, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to start my firm. So I got, I got 40 units that I had to manage. I wasn't getting paid extra, but I still had my salary from when I was doing the development. So that was cool. Yep. And I brought it in house. I dealt with it just like I had before. I mean, I was managing those units prior to, to the sale. They sell them. I manage them again. Like it's no big deal. I have software. Sure. Um, and then what happens after the year? I asked my boss, what's <laughs> up? What are we doing with these accounts? They said, I don't know. I don't want them. That's not our business model. Get rid of them. Let's give them away. And I said, no, they're 40 units. I mean, let's yep. say they're all rented at a thousand a month. It's 40 grand. The management fees, eight, 10%. Uh, I'm already managing them. I just need my own software to not use their software. Okay. I said, no, I'll take them. He said, okay, great. Um, and so I took them and I started Absolute Island Management. Yep. And, and that was, well, first, actually, let me even ask you this. Was property management, uh, it was obviously something that you would learn through the different experiences, um, but did you ever have the desire to start your own business, either doing that or just starting your own business in general? Yes, yes. I, I, when I first started working out of Emory and I got to Crescent Lake in Norcross and I had just had all this education and I could build spreadsheets and I could do all this stuff and they said, Kevin, you see that stack? Go file it. I, now at the time I was like, I can't believe I just graduated with a master or bachelor's and I'm filing, but it, it actually learned it. It humbled me, which was good. And I learned how we need to better move stuff okay. through some grunt work. But in that moment and throughout my career, I understood how 
you can create an opportunity for somebody else that generates more than what it costs to have that person involved. It gives them an opportunity, it gives them money, but it can generate more cash than that. So if you can create these opportunities for other people, you can make money helping them and just sort of masterminding it. So I, I, I think for a long time, I knew I wanted to have businesses, multiple. Okay. Okay. Um, but I never would have done property management. Property management is, is a grind. It, it really is. No one's saying, hey, just want to tell you, everything's working in my place. You guys are doing a great job. <laughs> they say, I told you yesterday at 5.30 p.m. in my email, it's Monday. No, it's, it's today at 9.02 a.m. You guys suck. You haven't fixed it yet. Sir, what did you just say in your email? It was 5.05. It's 9. We just got here, you know, but yeah. we don't actually respond that way. We say, we'll take care of it, sir. It's my pleasure. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. And be sincere. Be a fan of the tenants. They are paying rent, obviously, but it's that all the time. And it's, you can't, the frustrating thing about property management, um, which I'm not here to talk about frustrations, but I, I think I think it's relevant if someone's looking into property management is you have to figure out a way. You have to figure out a way where you're not doing the exact same thing over and over. You're not fixing the same problem. I mean, if you have a thousand units, you're going to fix the toilet. You're going to fix the garbage disposal every single time. So it, whether it's you doing it or you have a team of people doing it, you have to you have to bring in positivity, bring in lightheartedness, bring in additional training, bring in some fun things to break up the monotony because at its core, you know, the, it's, it's the definition of insanity. You know, you do the same thing and expect right. different results. You're doing the same thing. It's repetitive. It's good that it's repetitive because the month clicks over, everybody pays their rent in theory. That's right. great. But it's, it, property management is, can be a beast. And the more you grow, the, the, ex, the more exponential your responsibilities are. If I bring on one new account, I now have two new clients. So for every new account, I gotta manage the owner. And if the owner has a husband, a wife, a brother, a partner who's an expert, a best friend who's an attorney, they're, you know, whoever, you're, you're talking to them too. Right. And then tenant, the tenant's spouse, whoever else, roommates, then oftentimes if the, if the unit is in a community, you'll have community manager there too that could be involved. So, and then vendors, of course. So one unit has five, six different entities between the vendors, utilities, all that stuff moving around. So it's, it's a juggle. It's a, it's, it's a juggle of a business. Yeah. So I want to deviate a little bit from what we've, kind of been going down and, and hit a little bit deeper on something you just talked about. So frustrations, I, we're not going to hear, we're not here, like you said, to talk about specifically that, but there are a lot of positions, a lot of small business owners that they don't get that appreciation. They don't get that thanks day in and day out and it can turn into a grind. So how were you able to deal with that and really run a business and try and grow a business and maintain that motivation without somebody patting you on the back or your customers thanking you? Um, that's a very good question. You know, we have, <laughs> we have a five star, $5 tree in our office. Okay. So and, go into that. What is that? So um, I got a big poster board and I drew a big tree on it and I pinned $5 bills all over the tree. And at the top it says, Five, five star, $5 aim money grows on trees at aim or something. And there's a little log. And if you get a five star review, if you encourage someone who said, thank you, when you help them, Hey, do you mind just writing a review? We'd love the positive feedback. You get your $5. So anyone in the office, I got one uh, last week. I said, yeah, I got a five star, put my, put it in my box. Um, and you know, it brings us all together. It keeps it fun. It keeps us with our eye on the prize. You know, we need to be doing our best always to help and whatever that scenario is. And so if you're getting beat up a little bit, okay, but are you also helping people? Let's put it all in perspective. Okay. So I just got beat up by three people, but that last lady, I helped her. 
And those other people I was kind to, they're not going to go home and say, oh man, he was so kind to me. Yeah. I beat him. No, they're going to go home and they're going to say, okay, my problem solved. They're not probably even going to think about it again. So, you know, if you're, if you're just consistently kind and when you do see that you've touched someone, help them, solve them, ask them for the feedback, ask for it. Yeah. You know? Well, and that also, ask for the negative reviews, those are going to come, but ask them for the positive ones yeah. and, and take your $5 off the tree. Yep. Um, one of the things you just said there also goes back to your original reason of, of being interested in real estate, right? You have an opportunity to positively impact people. Correct. So even if somebody's not patting you on the back for it, you know, hey, you're accomplishing what you're there for. You're making these people's lives better. Providing a service, and, and we, we are actually switching gears and no longer as a mantra saying we're offering property management service, we're offering property management experience. Um, and that could be taken a couple different ways. Experience, because we've been doing it for a while, we've been, but also what type of experience do you want yep. with your real estate? So we wanna be experience managers um, and, and really offer a better uh, service through that. Through, through their experience. And so, you know, I think any, any position, any company, any job, you know, whatever it is can really can feel like a grind if you let it. I think, I think you got to bring, you got to bring the, um, the, the mental process in and bring it to the forefront. You know, you know, if you start getting, wanting to be uh, procrastinate, if you, if you're like, ah, oh, I, I need to do that, but I really don't want to, and I'm just going to do this. And these aren't really the priorities of the day, but they're easy. They're low laying fruit, but I really do need to do that. Bring it up front. Um, Mel, again, I mean, at the Atfolio conference, uh, customer conference in Santa Barbara last week, I, I attended, um, the keynote speaker was Mel Robbins. And she said, five, four, three, two, one, go. Bring, bring your brain from here to here, get your focus, set it and go. And, and so I think that that, that should apply. Um, if, and if you're in a business that you hate, get rid of it, sell it, liquidate it, yep. do something else. Um, or figure out a way to replace yourself. And I think that should be the case in any business. Uh, how, can this, how would this run if I wasn't here, but I still want to own it? How would this run? What would that look like? Would I have to do anything? Would I have to do something? What would I do? I'd probably count the money, reconcile the bank accounts, okay. But what, what would need to happen so that way that phone call that just really upset me doesn't ever really come across my plate? And I've been applying that logic because I've been banging my head against the wall with some stuff saying, okay, I've done this. Do I just sell this company? I mean, it's making money. It's helping people. We're doing something good in our market. So maybe no, but how do I get someone else to do this part? And I can then focus on growth or something else. Yeah, because you don't want to be the key log in your business, right? You don't want every decision to have to fall back on you because then you're, you're doing decisions on a day-to-day -day basis instead of delegating, giving people the empowerment to make the decisions that they should be making on their own. And, yeah, and that, that yeah, you, have to, you have to trust your team. Uh, you have to coach them, guide them. They need to see things the way you look at things you know, just aligned, but, um, you got to give them some autonomy. Otherwise you drive yourself nuts. You can't control it all. You can only control yourself. You can only control what you do. You only control what you put in your mouth. You yep. only control what you spend your time on. You can't control what anyone else does. Right. If someone doesn't want to do it, they're not going to do it. And so if you need someone to do something that's on your team and they're not doing it consistently, they're not the right fit for your team. Sorry, find someone else. And staying with toxic things like that, because you don't want to look at it, five, four, three, two, one, go. Mel would say, fix it, get after it. Yeah. So when you first started your firm and you had the 40 units, were you on your own? Did you have other employees with you? How did that look at the beginning? So I had other employees working for me to at that property because I was still an employee and I was luckily able to do a bridge thing. Um, so I, I took on those 40 units. No one else was helping me on that except for um, a business partner I had at the time. And that was behind the scenes. And I was, I was doing um, the property management of it. Then um, some of those owners said, Kev, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, can you manage this property over here? And do you do anything outside of that community? Can you do over here? And I just started saying yes. You know, I, I think maybe I'd seen that movie, Yes Man, and, or 
and just, yes, 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 I'll take that property. Yes, I'll take this property. And so slowly but surely, we started amassing units and I started getting pulled away from the property that I was managing as an employee. And that didn't feel right to me. So I said, I raised my hand to my employer. I said, give me a pay cut, but don't expect me to be here 40 hours a week. I'll make sure my site works. I'll make sure all the issues are handled. I'll make sure the vendors are doing their thing, but I don't want to physically have to be here. We worked it out. That was fine. So then I started, I, I started, had a little bit more freedom, but I still felt obligated to do right by my employer because I was a fiduciary for them. So I then hired my first employee to help with leasing, to help with showing of the properties, to help with some of the coordination, just to take some of the, my emails were starting to, I, I don't like to have more than 10 emails, really. I really would like under 10. I think I've got 48 right now. Uh, I don't like it. But um, so, so I started, I hired my first employee. I, uh, I opened an office. They were there by themselves. I felt bad about that, but they didn't mind. So, hey, you know, don't create a problem that's not there if they didn't mind. So um, that's how I started. And, and we're, we're at eight employees now. I'm, I'm looking to hire two more. Um, and it's, it's growing and I think it's growing because everyone is, it's not growing because of me. It's growing because everyone cares to be a fan of whoever they're speaking with. Let me help them. Let me be their fan. Let me champion for them. Um, and it's property management is a very unique situation because you got the owner who's looking at it completely as financial. Uh, he doesn't want to hear that the tenant kid is sick and they miss a day of work and they can't pay. This is, that's why I have you, you have us in the middle. And then you've got the tenant who, for the most part, most of our tenants, great, no issues. I mean, we do have screening procedures in place, but every now and then life happens, life changes and somebody, you know, runs into financial issues or somebody gets a dog they weren't supposed to have or, you know, whatever the, whatever the variance is. And you have to sort of manage the back and forth, keeping in line with the South Carolina landlord tenant act our lease mirrors that, so that's good, but you know, there's certain things you can do, certain things you can't do, and so you do your best to keep everyone on the same page as sort of the mediator. And I was, it, it's a fitting thing for me because my parents are divorced and I was always going back and forth. I was always mediating the relationship and if I wanted something and one was saying no, I would try to figure out how to get the other to say yes and you know, go back and forth with it. So it, it makes sense, it's a middle, that business is a little bit of a middleman position, but you're also offering solutions. And so there you go. I, I want to pivot a little bit into leadership because now we're talking about employees and leading a team. You touched on a little bit there with, with autonomy. Um, what, what are one or two lessons that you've learned from when you had the first employee underneath you to today where now you've got, like you said, you've got eight employees looking to add a couple, bit, couple more. What are one or two of those lessons that new business owners should have in their mind going into the hiring process? No one's going to do it the way you do it. No one's going to care as much as the way you care. Um, and I think you do well to when you see issues, when you see something's not lining up right, someone's not getting it, they're not doing it right. Breathe. Count to 10. Take a deep breath. Um, don't come at them guns blazing. I learned that the hard way. Um, you know, I'd be super slammed, um, and something would someone would ask a question, and I would just chop them and answer. Like, and I realized it was coming off harsh. I, I wasn't intending it to be harsh. I was just busy, and I was trying to get them an answer. Like, here's your answer. Go, go. But that's not what it takes to lead. That's what I could do if I had machines. If I was running in a factory. I could say, hey, factory, hey, machine, you're not working. Here's your screw. Go for it. Now you're working. But with people, you're, you're working with people. And, and so, uh, you know, you have to invest in them. And you have to remember that they are wanting to, no one wants to do a bad job. They want to do a good job. So if you have coaching to do, sandwich it, right? By the way, this morning, when you called me, you did a great job. You, you know, you helped me place where I would sit. Uh, one comment though, you know, I was wondering why you ba 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 ba, and and how we could work on that. And then after we have that discussion, I say, oh, and you know, 
I, I remembered, I, I got an email yesterday from someone and, and they were just glowing about you. So I just wanted to thank you. you recognize your sandwich, you recognize, and, and you, get, you get what you need, but they're people, you gotta help them. Yep. Um, you had said, and, and I've heard this uh, a lot through different conversations, that employees are not gonna care as much as the owner, right? That makes sense. How do you motivate your employees to stay loyal to you and the company, to give it everything they have and really be invested in the business without being an owner like you are? Um, I didn't used to do this the right way. I, I used to just look at them as, uh, I, I don't wanna say liability, but as an expense on a P&L. Okay. Um, and then I realized that without them, I'm doing that work. And that seems obvious, but it, it changed my approach. And, and I started seeing them as people, not as machines. And that was my mistake. I, you know, again, I didn't go to business school. I, I, I learned business in the streets. If you will. Yes. So uh, for me, that was a learning, a learning curve. And so what I've started doing um, a couple of years ago, I think probably five years now is investing in them too. They're showing up. They, if I'm a fan of theirs, if, if I'm training them, if I'm teaching them, coaching them, spending time with them, recognizing them, they're going to do better with the client. They're going to do better with my customer, with whatever the issue is. They're going to be happier. They're going to be happy to be here. They're going to be a fan everywhere they go. I work for Absolute Island Management. And I love it here. These guys are doing great. We're doing fun stuff. And that's true. We do fun stuff. And it's a result of investing in them. I mean, every, everyone on our team um, I sit with uh, periodically and I ask them about them, right? Like this meeting is not about me. It's not about aim. It's about you. How are things going? Where are you seeing challenges both in work or at home? You know, what, what's going on, you know, share with me because I will invest back into them. And I think it's, it's a partnership, even though they don't have shares, um, they have a stake. So I, I think you, you, you've got to invest in them and you got to show you care and you got to mean it. These are people who are helping you. If they weren't doing it, you'd be doing it. Right. Yeah. You having eight employees, uh, I'm sure you experience this all the time. Everybody has different personalities. Everybody has different motivations. Um, what have you learned along the way to where you can optimize the individual and be able to motivate them on an individual basis, not just as an overall blanket eight person team? Well, I mean, you do got to get to know them. You got to invest your own time and energy and getting to see what, what motivates them. I mean, you know, I, I'd say when you're first bringing someone on, or even if you have a team, if you don't know the answers, do it, get a form filled out. What's your favorite ice cream? Best trip you've ever gone on. Why? You know, and, and run through some questions, get to know these people. You know, I, I don't think that there's like a, a blanket answer to that. I think okay. you gotta, you gotta know your team. You gotta understand, you know, what they like, what they don't like. Always remember birthdays, put it in your calendar, put it in your Google calendar, have a reminder pop up. We get cards for everyone signs a card and we get a cake and we all sing and it's fun. And I missed one, but I was there on FaceTime because it was at, I was out in California. So I FaceTimed in and, and, and we all sang to Ted, that was last week. We sang to Ted and we posted it on Facebook and we tagged him and all his friends said, happy birthday, Ted, you're looking great. So be, you know, be, be, be a fan of theirs. Yeah, and, and that is the answer. The time that you take to sit down and get to know them, both before they're actually employees and along the way, mm -hmm. that's allowed you to, to really figure out what their personalities are and why they're there working for you and what gets them up excited in the morning. Very true. And I, I, I'd like to also add that, you know, I'm accessible. Like if they have a question about work or personal, like, and I tell them, you know, if you, if you run into a snag, I mean, I'm, I'm a problem solver. That's first and foremost, I solve problems. So if you run into a snag and you want my opinion, shoot me a text, call me. Yeah. You know? yeah. Happy well, to help. So I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about growth of a business. Cause you, you were in Hilton head. Then you said, okay, if somebody asks you to take another place, you'll hop around. So then you, you went from Hilton head to what Bluffton. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So first let's, let's go into how did you discover Bluffton? So Bluffton is the town, super cute town right in front. Um, 
you, you pass it as you go to Hilton Head. And, and obviously, I'd started on Hilton Head. Um, Hilton Head's got the beaches. Bluffton does have a, a, a little beach all joy area. But um, so I was working on Hilton Head. Hilton Head makes a lot of sense from a geographic standpoint for managing real estate, for real estate, 12 miles long, six miles wide, tons of properties, easy to get around. Um, we started expanding into Bluffton. And I, you know, I was picking up some units. That was great. I'd been to the downtown area a little bit. That was great. But I wouldn't say I knew Bluffton yet. Okay. I wouldn't say I was a Bluffton, a Bluftonian, a Bluffton fan, a Bluffton champion yet. Um, but uh, in 2015, my son, um, his mother moved to Savannah and he, we, we had picked Bluffton as uh, sort of equidistant for him to go to school. And I knew he'd be commuting from Savannah with her in the morning. And luckily the school didn't start till eight something. So it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Um, but I walked over to the school one day and I'm just looking at the school and I'm just thinking about Zach and, and I'm, you know, an idea comes to my head. I really want him to have a memory of us walking to school together, holding hands. He was, he was going to first grade. Um, and it's a cute little age. And I, I wanted him to remember us holding hands and walking, being able to walk. Yeah. Um, and so I turned around and literally the property across the street from the school had a for sale sign on it <laughs> on Calhoun street in downtown Bluffton. And this was, this was 20, I think this, it would, I, I think I closed in 2015. It was, it may have been in 2014 that, okay. that, that I saw this. Um, it had a tree through the roof. Literally, harp <laughs> on the roof. Okay, I walked in, smelled foreclosure. I don't. It wasn't a foreclosure, but it felt like that. It was run down. It was horrible shape. Again, literally, a tree was in the bedroom. Um, it had two other units in, a, in an accessory dwelling, and it had the two bedroom, one bath uh, cottage. Needed everything. And I said, oh my God, this is perfect. It's right across the street. I can hold his hand and walk him to school. Okay, now how do I finance it? Okay, now how do I put this deal together? Okay, now how do I get it? And you know, I started super low on the negotiation because I, I, I didn't know what it was worth it as a tree through the roof. Yeah. Um, turns out, got it under contract, fixed it up, um, moved into it. We were able to walk to school. And it was when I started living there in Bluffton that I, I fell in love with it. I, I just... It, you can't really describe it until you sleep there, until you spend a minute sleeping in old town Bluffton and you wake up there, you hear the birds, you smell the air, you got the May River, you can walk everywhere. Oh, it is just the cutest little town. Hmm. Yeah. That's how yeah, no, it's a great story. So, and, and there's obviously that emotional tie with, with the, uh, the town as well, which, which ties it all together. No. Yeah, the, the town government at Bluffton does a phenomenal job. I mean, they are... They are tasked with a lot of different personality types. You've got, you've got residents that have been there forever who some like what's happening, some don't, right? Some don't want change, some don't want development, but they don't have, they're not buying up the land and there's some land for sale, so someone's gonna buy it and it's gonna fill in, right? That's what happens, urbanization and we are a town. Some love it, some don't. Some are, a lot of people are benefiting from it. I mean, the whole promenade, um, which is in downtown Bluffton at the top of Calhoun Street and May River Road, has tons of wonderful shops and local business owners and locals come and they mingle and they talk. You run into your friends at Corner Perk. I mean, it's, it's a great experience. Yeah. Um, and, and it is growing and it's filling in. The, the town government, um, town council does a phenomenal job. Lisa Stulk is the mayor. Mark Orlando is the town manager. They do great jobs. And Mark's entire staff, they are kind. When they answer the phone, which they always answer, it's a great day in Bluffton. That's how they answer, you know? And if you have ever have an issue, which they're going to come up, right? You're going to have issues. They're like the ultimate property managers. These guys, I had an issue where my trash didn't get picked up and I called and then it got picked up and it continued to get picked up and they fixed it. Right. They fixed whatever the glitch was, but a week and a half later, two weeks later, I got a call from uh, someone at the town and they just said, Hey, just wanted to check in make sure you're still receiving good service from that trash solution. And I was like, Oh my God, we need to do that. Right. You know, we're handling all these work orders. They're handling much more than we're handling. We got 400 units. They got thousands of units and they're able to take the time to call someone back three weeks later, just to check in. We need that procedure. We need that service. We need that reminder. 
And it was a good reminder for me that, you know, if you're paying attention to what locals are doing, if you're paying attention to when you see good things in business, bring it in, right? If you're impressed, your client will be impressed, bring it in. And, and the town of Bluffton has really impressed me. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't know that beforehand, but what you just said goes back to what you were saying of your pivot in the business now, that you're more experience oriented. And Correct. that's what they're doing, right? They're not managing a town, they're creating an experience. They're making your living experience in that town infinitely better because of what they're doing for you. I think so. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you expanded into, into Bluffton, you started getting more and more properties. Did you have any specific goals of size of the company, number of employees, anything like that? Did you have any goals in that capacity? I, I have many goals in that capacity. Um, I don't, you know, I, I would like to be collecting about a million dollars a month in rent. I would like that to happen in the next two to three years. Uh, we're at 250,000 in rental collections. So four, four time growth on the long-term rental side. Um, I, you know, I want us to use our, how we've perfected certain processes um, for the betterment of, of our clients. I want to use that experience and I, I and and perhaps share that with other markets. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. Okay. I don't know the licensing thing. I mean, I, I don't know that I've got the energy to go into the franchise of it, but I would welcome somebody who's experienced with that. We can look at that. Um, where where I see some strong needs in in gaps in the marketplace is in affordable housing and in workforce housing, and we've got a huge need on Hilton Head. Uh, and I've got a lot of ideas on how to convert certain buildings into something where we can cap the rents, but also show a return for the investor, right? That's why you don't have workforce housing, because if you're going to do something, you got to get a return on cash. No one's just saying, hey, I don't need any return on my money. Here's $10 million. Right. No. So it'd be great, but they're not doing that. Um, there's, so I, I see us as going into workforce housing management from a development standpoint and a property management standpoint, that's a big goal that, uh, that Diedrich, our new uh, property manager in charge and I are modeling. We're actually meeting later today, specifically about workforce housing, identifying properties, identifying the moving parts, uh, figuring out what our equity raise will look like and uh, building the spreadsheet models. I'll, I'll be building the models on those. Um, you know, I'm, I've always liked creating and developing and, since we are, you know, got our, our, our engines running, right? Our, our, our team, our employees, everybody's doing a great job. The engine's running. I can now break into some development and I'm, I'm working on a development in downtown Bluffton actually that uh, fills a gap in the marketplace because right now, if you want to stay in Bluffton, you're going to find a couple of random Airbnbs or VRBOs. I'm creating a community. Uh, it's going to be a condo community. Uh, these will be for sale. Uh, I don't know when, but they will be. But folks can rent it. It's a cute little cottage. I'm calling it Pop's Place. And they'll be able to stay there uh, and experience Bluffton. It's, it's on Wharf Street. It's one block to Oyster Factory Park, one block to Calhoun Street, where, where I live. And um, it's, I think it's going to be really good for Bluffton. And I think it's, gonna, it's also going to uh, look good from an architectural standpoint. It's going to break up, you know, sort of single family, single family, our property, single family. Uh, then there's low income actually on the same street and there's a trailer on the same street. I mean, it's, it, it's such a diverse Bluffton has a rich history of diversity, uh, all income types, all living together, all communing, all being able to walk around, all enjoying the May river. So it's, I am, I am impressed by its diversity. It, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see that in a town. Um, okay. So a part of growth was, obviously the size of the business, the amount of revenue, things like that. But one of the things that's really interesting about you when you growing your business is how you want your business to be structured, right? So um, there are people that are deciders and they want to be a part of the day-to-day -day business and there are people that are designers, right? The people that like to take a step back and have a team underneath them executing the, the little things so they can build and solve problems on a, on a bigger scale. Uh, so talk about kind of what you want your business to look like and where you see your role in that business going forward. Uh, okay. Um, 
I think, I think my role should be in the visioning in, in the broader stroke, the bigger picture, but I don't want to be so incredibly removed that people don't feel like they can call me or reach right. out. I'm yep. still kept. I'm the same old guy. And if tomorrow everybody said we quit, I'm going to be the one answering the phones. Hey, this is Kevin. Yes. I'd be happy to show you that property. Yes. Hi, this is Kevin. I'd be more than happy to fix that toilet. I've done it. I've done every single role in my firm. Uh, I'm not above any single role. Uh, when I go walk a property, if I see trash, I pick it up. We are all in this together. No one's above anything. I, I never tell anyone they work for me. Everyone works with me. Um, so I, I, I want to be leading, directing, creating, uh, encouraging, developing, nurturing. I want to be in those two roles, um, which will be not necessarily the on-site answering the phone, yeah. but I'm above that. I mean, we got to do what we got to do. So I don't know if that answers your question though. Yeah, no, I, a little bit. Um, so let's just go, go deeper into that though. So you don't see your business as you're managing a hundred people, right? You want a team underneath you that they then can have a team underneath them, right? Is that how you see that structure of your business as you grow more and more? So as we grow, I mean, I think ancillary secondary companies spin off. They make sense. You know, if we have a ton of units, we should be offering landscape service. We should be offering some of the other stuff potentially if we can do it well, if we can't do it well, then skip it. Um, but yes, I, I want to work with, I almost want to be on a board and, and you know, we, we've got certain specific tasks and then there's people and committees almost that then execute. Um, I think that that's probably a better use of my time okay. because you know, I'm, I'm then not drilling down to the micro level, but I think, you know, when you have a problem, solve it. Yes. But how can you create a solution so that doesn't happen again? How can you create a procedure or a policy or verbiage in your contracts or whatever the case would be? I think about things from that perspective to try to get the, to try to sharpen all the pencils. So then they're sharp for other people to use. I mean, you know, in business, I have been up to this point shoveling the dirt, not creating the shovel, right? I can create the shovel. Billions of people could use my shovel. That's a good way to make a lot of money. Yeah. Create the tool, let them use it. The software company, Appfolio, these guys, they create a tool that I use. Their software has no data in it that I don't put in. And I pay them well every single month. And now I can't leave them. I wouldn't want to leave them. They, they, it's a great product. But, you know, create the tool for others. So I'm trying to apply that, even though I'm in a service industry and I don't own a lot of these assets. I mean, I own some, but I don't own a lot of the investments we manage. Create a tool. So if the tool can be our service, our experience, um, our procedures, and then others can execute and bring on more business and share that culture, then we can really grow. If I'm doing all of the sales calls, how many sales calls can I really make? If I'm shoveling, if I'm doing the service, yeah. I have a finite time, you yeah. know, and, and it's similar to investing in real estate. You know, they say you can buy as many properties as you want that positively cash flow $1, but don't buy a property that negatively cash flows $1. You could own an infinite, no, infinite number of the ones that make a dollar and you're going to run out of money at some point for the ones yeah. that lose a dollar. So, you know, it's, it's the same sort of approach. Like how, how can we, okay, I, I see it. We have a problem. And so every problem that comes at me, I try to think, solve it, solve it as quickly as possible, but how do we solve it? So it doesn't ever happen again. Yep. Yeah, no, that, that's a perfect analogy. This creating the shovel versus being out there with the one using the shovel, because when you're the one using the shovel, you're involved in the micro decisions that caps your ceiling right? It puts a ceiling on what you're capable of, of doing. So, so no, I think you summed it up perfectly there. That's great. Um, and part of that too is everybody's going to have differences in what they want and what they view as, as kind of successful for them. And obviously the show of this being success defined, um, I want us to go in a little bit into the more philosophical type looks at this. So how do you define success for yourself? That's a big question. Yeah. Um, 
It's not money. It's not monetary. I used to think it was. I used to think I needed. It's funny. I, I, I read over a journal that I'd had and, and it said, you know, make a million dollars. That, that was my goal. Make one million dollars. And I don't know if that was in cash or assets or what. Just make a million dollars. <laughs> and if I look at it now, it's like make a hundred million dollars. Right? It's grown. I need a hundred million dollars or I need fifty million dollars. But do I? I think five million dollars in the bank earning interest. I could live off of that. I don't know. It's not money. Right? There's never enough, it would seem. Or you can get focused on that and then you're grinding on that. It's not that. Success for me is cre is adding to the joy and love in the world in whatever capacity you can. So I would say someone's successful who runs a soup kitchen because they're feeding. I would say someone's successful who invests in their neighbor, in a stranger. I, I define success as adding love and joy into the world. Um, and, and I think a close sort of not second, but right in there is time. You know, we can get so, okay, I, I got this big checklist. I got all these things to do. Okay, I'm just gonna work, 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 work. And I look over and my son grew. He got taller, he got bigger. He's doing something different now. And I just blinked. All I did was blink. I was working, I was doing right. You gotta make money. And I've explained that to him sometimes. Daddy's gotta work for one hour and then we'll go outside and we'll play in this, you know, wherever. But I think it's time, it's fleeting, we don't have a ton of it, so let's be specific. When we are gonna work, let's get after it. And then I think it's, it's truly seeing how you can add to someone's smile. Because okay. if you're making people smile, you're very successful. <laughs> no, I think that's a great answer. So going further on that, how have you maintained those priorities that are most important to you, right? Spending the time with your, your son, making sure you're impacting other people. How, how you maintain those priorities? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I always do. I don't think I always do. I, I know I'm not perfect with it. I know I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And that's, I think, you know, recognizing your own imperfections is okay. Recognizing you're not going to be perfect is okay. You, you know, keeping it as uh, a goal, keeping it as uh, something that's important to focus on, that should get your attention. And I don't know how you do that. Maybe it's a sticky note on your mirror. Maybe it's a note in your car. Maybe at the bottom of every to-do list, you write, say something nice to somebody. I don't know what works for others. For yeah. me, for me, it's, it's, it just comes up. It, it pops in my head. Put your phone down, Kevin. Pay attention to this child, you know. Not that I'm not paying attention to him, but right, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, encourage him. You know, let's. Hey, Zach, let's turn off the TV. Let's go. Let's go for a walk. No, I don't want to. Come on, we're going. You know, um, invest in him. Invest your time in causes you believe in, um, and you just do it. And you know what? Sometimes I block it. I block time on my own calendar. For me, maybe to go work out. I only did that once this week. I need to do it more. But, um, you know, I, I blocked time yesterday. I worked with Gloria, um, the treasurer, um, for a nonprofit and helped, helped her get some stuff aligned, you know? I mean, block time to help. Block time to do good. I mean, you know, it, it's not about, success is not about the money. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't understand that. And I'm glad I see that now because you could have all the money in the world and be incredibly lonely. Yeah. So we've got, I've got two more kind of more philosophical questions that we can finish up on. The first one's what's one thing that you see today that you would change? Relative to what topic? Could, could be business, could be life. It, it's anything that's kind of sticking in your mind that if you could just go out there and, and make a change that would positively impact people, what would, what would that thing be? Have prep me on that. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah, um, I, I like not because it. I'd rather hear what comes to mind instead of giving yeah. people uh, an hour to to think about it. Sure, sure. No, I get that. What one thing could I change? Oh, in business. Sure. 
in business or in personal. Either in one, whichever one you prefer. Hmm. And we can move on to the next one if you want a little time to think of it. Well, there's, I would, I would change so much. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. If I were the creator of the world, uh, wouldn't everyone be happier if they all just listened to me? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I know. Here's what I know. I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I'm not the expert in a lot of stuff, maybe anything. Um, I know that if I just listen more, which is tough for me, I like to chat, like to talk. If I listen more, I'll learn more. Um, so I, I, perhaps the answer, I'll, I'll give you an answer to that and then we can go to the other question. Perhaps the answer to that is if I could change one thing, it would, it would be to remind myself to always ask, always ask in any scenario, what would love do? What would love do? Let me approach this problem or this person that's coming at me for whatever reason. You know, I'm developing Pop's Place. A lot of people love it. Some people don't. What would love do? How do I address this person? I don't want to make them wrong. I want to hear them. I want them to feel heard. I don't agree with them, but what would love do? Come to each challenge with that, each employee who's upset, who's not doing a good job or is doing a great job and you want to embrace them more, you know, come to each challenge with that and encourage others to take that approach because then we're all successful. Yeah. See, that's why I like not prepping because that was not a logical answer. That was a, that was an answer from the heart. So I love it. What a perfect answer. Um, all right. Last one. You and I are, are having a conversation like this three years from now. What's happened in those three years where you can look back and say that was a successful period in your life? Again, personal business, either one is completely fine. Um, I married the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Her name is Danielle Brydong, and I want to change her last name to Quat. Uh, I've, I've given her, or we've discussed rather, uh, a date. It's probably going to be in 2020, so three years from now. Okay. That'll, be, that'll be something. Uh, I, it, the date we've picked is 8420. Uh, it's a Tuesday, which, you know, oh, it's going to be Saturday. <laughs> I like the numbers of it. I like the 8420. Uh, I like, you know, 8 divided by 4 is two, two, two divided by two is one. There's two of us. We're coming to one. I don't know. I like, I like the numbers of it. So I think that that'll be it. We haven't picked a, a place yet. So, um, there's, there's that, that's going to be huge. Um, from, a from a also with Zach, I mean, Zach will be 11. So he's going to be into a ton of stuff, uh, even more so than he is now. He's very much into baseball. Um, school's good for him obviously, but I think it's not as challenging, but it's, a, it's, it's a, as it needs to be, but it's, it's a fine line because if it were super challenging, then he wouldn't want to go. He'd be motivated. So I think it's probably okay still, but I'm hoping that, you know, he really responds well to, you know, the curiosities that he has and, and I can encourage him to explore those curiosities. Um, so I will have been exploring with Zach, reading, traveling with him. Um, Danny and I will be wed uh, and as far as from a business standpoint, you know, I've got, I've got models, I've got goals, I've got thoughts. I want to be spending my time adding that value, both in real estate, uh, and employees and people. And I don't think, honestly, I will be involved in property management. Um, I don't know if that means I bring on a partner. I don't know if that means I sell. Uh, I have no plans to sell or to bring on a partner today, but I, I don't, I don't know if I own part of it. I don't know how it goes, but I don't think my daily experience will have, have a dashboard that shows move-ins, move-outs, number of you know days since we've given them their move out statement and it's approaching 30 which means three times they could sue for three times if you don't give them the breakdown blah 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 that's not going to be a part of my experience so i i, I know what i don't want okay. uh, what i do want is to is to have time is to be helping other people um and to be using hopefully not needing to spend a lot of my day focused on something that creates money for the family i, I i'd like to you know, I'm, I'm buying some real estate. I'm doing some things that are cash flowing properties. I think I'm setting up 
some recurring income streams. So uh, if I'm successful in that endeavor, then I can be working um, with a few different nonprofits to help to help them further their cause. I'm working with one right now, and we're we're getting a lot done. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of need in the world. There's a lot of people who need help. And oftentimes the organizations that are established to help these people, not oftentimes, I would say more times than not, the organizations that are set up to help these people have the right heart, have the right message, but maybe aren't run always, in some cases they are, but maybe aren't run like a for-profit business would be. Right. Maybe they aren't offering the true uh, you know, they're not getting good pricing on stuff or they're not re they're, they're not keeping track of certain expenses or of, 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 of certain volunteer schedules. And so it's kind of hectic and crazy. They got the right message. They've got the right people who love to do this stuff and they truly believe and they want to help, but they could use a little business. They could use a little push. They could use a little consulting. And, uh, I think in three years time, I will have phased out of the problem solving for property management. I hope I have solved those problems and I will be phased into solving um, larger global problems that can affect the world. I mean, what, what mark are we leaving? You know, like what are we leaving? Yeah. We have only so much time. Uh, these are the working years, you know, when I'm 70, 80, I'm probably not going to be traveling the world like I can now. I don't want to pack a bag. I don't want to get on a plane. Now it's like, oh yeah, let's get on a plane. Yeah, cool. I got my AirPods and I'm rocking in the, you know, Rocky, I'm rocking in the security line, you know, and people are looking at me and I'm like, hey, um, but I, you know, leave a mark, leave a mark. So I think I'll be, I think I'll be helping. I think I'll be working with some other things. Um, hopefully developing properties and uh, still serving those needs. I, I love the creativity behind it, the moving parts behind it. I'm learning tons on pop's place. Um, and so that's what I got. That's great. I love it. Now, anything before I, I close this off here, is there any final message you either want to put out? And if not, where can people follow you? Where can they uh, reach you if they have questions and things like that? Oh yeah. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how to be followed. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, I, I have a face. I mean, I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, absoluteisland.com. We are going to do a, a, a refresh pretty soon on, on the site and the logo. I, I was told that the logo needs to be updated. I thought it was fine, but Hey, Okay. So we're working on that. Um, but absoluteisland.com is the property management company. Um, great bunch, great, great group of folks. Um, and, uh, Kevin at absolute islands, my email, uh, if you Google me, you'll find me and you'll probably find a, a video of me showing property when I was a leasing agent way back when I think it's still out there. Um, I think I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, and I'm a, a realtor, Kevin Quat realtor, gmail.com is is the realtor one and I, I have a realtor instagram i've got uh we've got a company facebook page uh absolute island management on facebook is a good one uh, and we post every single day there's there's something going on um and i've i've got hilton head of hilton head real estate is my facebook page for real estate so that's that's a pretty good name um yeah i'd say so yeah okay well perfect thank you so thank much for joining us this was fun. I, I, uh, I finished all my water and I have a little bit of a cotton mouth now, but I appreciate the opportunity to chat. And, you know, if we want to do a follow up in three years time or if you ever want to talk about something else or if any of your fans or people write in with questions that um, you want me to be a part of or by all means, just let me know. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.